Good morning, everyone. My name is Vidura. This is my wife, Durga. We're happy to be here to share Sunday service with you. I want to welcome all of our guests and visitors from around, wherever you've come from. I see people I haven't seen before, so you must be have traveled somewhere to get here. And uh, so pleasant to have this cool fall day. Finally, the weather has broken, and we've got some cool weather, which will, I think, be positive for our spiritual efforts as we can live more to that time of year when we can begin to go more inward. I'm going to start this morning's service with a reading from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda, weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. The topic this week, what is the best way to pray? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ and Sri Krishna both advise praying to God as personal, yet both emphasize also that God is above form and that he must be sought ultimately in infinity. As Jesus put it, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yet he spoke of God constantly as our Heavenly Father. In what is known as the Lord's Prayer, he proposed a very human prayer to the Heavenly Father, asking fulfillment for all our spiritual needs. The Bhagavad Gita explains that man, living as he does in a human body, finds it difficult to worship infinity as though the ego and body didn't even exist. Far better for human beings, Krishna says, to work with reality as we know it than to affirm a reality of which the human mind is incapable of forming any clear notion. Encouraging the devotee in this direction, he says, O Arjuna, be thou a yogi. That is to say, be one who works with, not in rejection of, the energies of the body and the natural tendencies of the mind. In the twelfth chapter of the Gita, Arjuna asks, Those who ever steadfast worship thee as devotees, that is to say, in an I and thou relationship, and those who contemplate thee as the immortal and manifested spirit, which group is a better versed in yoga? The blessed Lord replied, Those who, fixing their minds on me, adore me, ever united to me, through supreme devotion, are in my eyes the perfect knowers of yoga. Those whose strict aim is union with the unmanifested choose a more difficult way. Arduous for the embodied beings is a path of dedication to the absolute, the followers, that is to say, of the path of jnana yoga. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. to be here with you. I wanted to start this part of the service. Uh Uh-oh. Glasses. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's okay. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. This is from Whispers from Eternity. Paramahansa Yogananda's prayers. 
Demand that through all tests and trials the love of God may never fade. O Spirit, I care not if all sufferings come to me or all things be taken away from me. I pray only that my love for thee never fade through my own negligence. May my love for thee burn brightly forever on the altar of my constant remembrance. Thank you. We were trying to get ready to come this morning and we forgot glasses, pins, but thanks to so many friends... We got it all together. So thank you all that helped us this morning. So, Sister Gyanamata, Yogananda's foremost woman disciple, had an amazing experience, or maybe for her, an everyday experience, I don't know. But she had this time, she tells about, when she was going through a time when she was extremely apprehensive about some test that was coming towards her. And she could visualize it. And she was sitting and meditating and praying in a little chapel. And she could see this energy coming towards her. And she prayed to God to help her. And she said that she got this prayer instantly, just as it was about to overtake her. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before. You weren't sure if you could handle what was happening to you. And she said in that instant, the prayer came to her. Change no circumstance in my life. Change me. And as I was reading that again this week, I was thinking how perfect a prayer that is for almost every situation that comes up in our lives. Because most of what bothers us and tests us and makes us apprehensive and fearful is that we don't like the situation that's happening to us. We want it to be different. We want it to change. And we, sometimes the last thing we think about is changing ourselves, changing our consciousness, changing our attitude, changing our outlook about how it could be. And I was also thinking how perfect it is that Swamiji Kriyananda put these two titles together, prayer and even-mindedness. Because a lot of the time, when we pray for something, it isn't what we wanted at all. And that's when we bring that in. Ah, but this is what God is giving me. I had this great example I usually, whenever I give service, I don't know if this happens to other ministers, but it always, always happens to me, that whatever topic I'm going to talk about, I get tested on a couple days before. <laughs> and so this week, uh, we had something come into our life, a physical thing, and it's a big thing, so it wasn't something you can just sort of lightly toss away, but it came, you see what I mean? <laughs> We had something come into our life (laughs) Um, that I didn't want. I didn't want it. I didn't need it. And I couldn't figure out why it was coming, but it definitely came and it landed in our front yard. And there I was, but I, I I didn't want it. And so I had all this angst and I was just like in my gut. I was so upset crazy, just the thing, 
Then, that took me a couple hours. I went through that for a couple hours. And then, at some point, I remembered, ah, you know, God, everything that comes from him is for you. It's a gift. Everything, everything, even this thing that I hated. (laughs) And... But as soon as I remembered that, I, I, had, I read this really funny thing one time. It was, I can't remember exactly, but it was basically this. It was saying there was a, a thief in the neighborhood, and everybody pictured him as a thief, and he walked like a thief, and he talked like a thief, and he acted like a thief. But then they find out, found out he really didn't do it. And then he didn't look like a thief, and he walked normally, and he talked normally. That was what happened with this car, I might as well tell you. And, <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, I remember that it was a gift from God, not just my husband, but God. <laughs> and then when I remembered that, it took me a couple more hours, but really for as strong as a dislike as it was, I was pretty proud of myself that within 24 hours, I liked the way it drived. I liked the, drove. I liked the, the color. I liked the interior. I liked the fact that it was up and down like the reading this morning. Went up and down just as much as it went forward. <laughs> and, and so now I like the car. No problem. But did the car change? No. Did Vidura change? No. I changed. Thank God. But it was that thought, that sweet thought of everything that comes to us. And this is trivial. This is nothing big. But when you start with the trivial and you start with the small, then when those big things come, you can say, hopefully, this too is from God. This too I can handle. And you know, this morning I wanted to talk a little bit about how to pray Sometimes I like to stay on the topic of how to pray. And then I want to talk also about what if you can't pray? What if you don't know how to pray? What if your prayers aren't going the way you want them to go? But the first one is how to pray. Why do we pray? We pray because it brings change into our lives. We pray for that connectedness of everything around us, not just with God, which is extraordinary, But it's a connectedness with each other in this room, connectedness with nature, connectedness with, you know, all animals and joy. I was thinking of that a little bit in terms of these great people that come into the world, like Abraham Lincoln, the connectedness of people, the the importance of knowing that we're all one. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't you know, matter if you're from the south or the north or from Japan or wherever it is. We're all one. That's a very important lesson the world needed to know through his example. And then people like John Muir and Teddy Roosevelt and how they established these forests, these great expanses in the world where we can actually go and feel that grace of God in nature, extraordinary gift if you think about it. Because if they hadn't done that, what would we be living in? And the air and what it would be like, just over, just all the ways that those men have helped this world to be a better place. 
So that connectedness that we have through prayer is extremely important. Opening our hearts to receive what God gives us. Opening our minds to other realities than just what we think ourselves. There's so many reasons to pray. There's so many ways to pray. And and Jesus said, pray believing. Master said, pray with intensity. These are all ways in the in the festival of light, we pray with our mind and soul and heart and strength. We have many, many examples of how to pray. And we need to put those into practice. Swamiji, in his example in his life, of I, I, I love this, just seeing him. Because you f- if you feel him never stopping praying, it's always that constant dialogue you feel that he has with Master, with Yogananda, with God, with Jesus, Divine Mother. And it's so sweet. And, you know, Swamiji tells some of his stories over and over and over again. We say, why? We've heard that already. But then you stop and you say, ooh, it's because we need to hear this. We need to hear it again and again. I was thinking specifically of the story of Carmel. Well, many of you have heard the story of Carmel and how he goes down there and how he has miracles happen to him. You know, his, his room's paid for, his lunch is paid for, his dinner's paid for. He doesn't know why he pulls out his wallet to pay and everybody says, no, don't pay me. Amazing. But to him, it was just the joy of the life that he leads. And so this constant prayer, this constant prayer, Brother Lawrence in his simplicity, a great saint would just say, Lord, I am who I am, and I will be like this forever unless you help me. In every single thing he did, do you want this now? Do you want this now? Is this what you want? Because if you're not here, I'm going to have a very difficult time moving along. I had a funny, well, it wasn't funny at the time, but experience happened, again, not this week, actually. And uh, I was with a friend of mine. We were in Roseville, and we were in Costco. We were buying things, and all of a sudden I remembered, ah, dark glasses. And a f- person in my family borrows my glasses a lot and either breaks them or loses them. And so <laughs> over and over I have So I was without glasses again. It was a sunny day. And so I said, oh, glasses. Like, you know, and so they had a whole rack of glasses, and they were from very expensive to very inexpensive. I got the in, most inexpensive ones, thank goodness. And I bought the glasses, and I was happy. And we went out to the car, and we got in the car. And this Julie was driving. We were driving down the freeway. And I said to Julie, where are my glasses? And all of a sudden you hear, I had put them on the roof of the car. (laughs) And my first thought was, oh no, not another pair. And you know, usually when I lose something, like I lost my bangle with all, all my stones in it. And I did pretty well with that one. And I thought somebody needed it more than I. And that was good. That was fine. But this one, they were shattered. They were in pieces. Nobody could have used them. And then my second thought was, I didn't ask God if I needed those glasses. 
That's what I thought. And maybe he would have said no. Maybe he would have said yes, and I needed to lose them anyway. But the thought was, I forgot to ask. And those little connections that we make as we go through our day, how should we pray, where should we pray, when should we pray, all the time. That's what we're told all the time. But what happens, let's see if I've got this, what happens when we feel like our prayers have gone awry and we've asked and we've made a prayer, but we didn't get the answer we wanted. As reminded of this, all of you have heard the, the letters to God of children and one of that reminds me of this is when the little boy says, dear God, thank you so much for my little baby brother, but what I really prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> And sometimes our prayers go awry, and, and we don't know why. Um, I don't I, well, I'm going to tell this story. So when I was a young girl, I was nine years old, and some of you have heard this story, so I'm going to make it brief. But I was, uh, there was a horse show in Portland, Oregon, and I wanted, and they were giving a horse away as a prize, a raffle prize. I wanted that horse so badly. As nine, I think all nine-year-old girls want a horse, it seems. But I was just my passion. And we didn't have enough money to buy such a thing. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I remember going out on my deck of my house and praying and praying and praying. And there were 10,000 people at this event. And we won the horse. And I could see, you could see it as a miracle. But somebody had to win the horse. It wasn't really a miracle. But what it did, it established that faith in me for the rest of my life. I don't always get the prayers I want, but that established that connectedness with God that I never let go of. God, it's almost like he dipped down, and who's going to really benefit from this horse? We didn't have it very long. They needed to sell it. But that faith that God answers prayers was so strong and it stayed with me. And so sometimes our prayers, even when they're not answered, are for a much bigger purpose. There's a beautiful story I wanted to share with you, a true story. And this is the part that I wanted to talk about when we don't really, maybe you don't even believe in God or maybe sometimes we pray when we don't know anything else to do. And this is a true story. And some of you may have read this book or seen this movie called The Unbroken. And I read it because it was on our Kindle and Vidura had ordered it. And so I was looking for a book. I thought, I'll I'll try this one. It's not for everybody. It's a World War II story, which often is hard to read. But it's a beautiful, beautiful message. And to try to make it as short as I can. This man was a pilot. And they were flying over the Pacific, and we were at war with Japan. And they went down in the Pacific, and only three of them lived. And they had two little, uh, I was going to say houseboats, two little rafts, life rafts. And so they were alive, and they stayed alive. I think they got the award for the longest any people had stayed alive with no water, no food intense heat, no way to cover themselves. But they figured out, and the story is very, very fascinating, how they stayed alive for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, When they were at their 
lowest point. One of them had died, and one, they were both very, very ill. He made a prayer, a plea to God. If you save us, I will give my life to you. And I think he may have only said it once. They went on, different things happened, fish came, birds came, whatever, rain came. But in a way, their prayer was answered because they ended up on an island. Unfortunately, that was Japanese, um, what do you say? Occupied. Occupied, thank you, island. And they were captured and put in POW camps. And so for one or two years, they had a very, un, you know, very hard, difficult life. And then he got out, rescued, war was over, and he um, got married and seemingly everything was fine. But then the impact of the war started affecting him. And he started going downhill and lots of unfortunate things happened with him and for him and to him. And he was just at the breaking point. And then, I think it was probably in the 50s, and his wife had been told about, I think it was Billy Graham, and she went to see him, and she thought, well, maybe that would help, because their life was just shattered. And she tried to get him to go, and he kept saying, no, I don't want anything to do with that, I don't want anything to do with spirituality, I don't believe it, da-da-da-da. So... But for weeks, she kept saying, please try, please try. And so finally he goes. And he's sitting way in the back, not wanting to be there, not feeling how he could be helped in any way. It was too far gone. And he started hearing what Billy Graham had to say. And then, I don't even think it says, although it may, I don't even think it says what he said. But what happened, he remembered the prayer that he had said when he was in the raft. He had forgotten all about that, as we often do. Please make this happen, and then it happens, and it's the end of the story. And he remembered, oh my gosh, I said I would give my life to God. I don't even believe in God. I don't even know... What to do? What does that mean? How can I serve anybody? Look at me, I'm a mess. How could I help anybody? But that window, that opening, what was the opening? Just to go. Just to say yes. Swami says you say yes to life, no matter what it is. Say yes and make it snappy, Sister Gyanamata said. Don't even think about it. In that opening, in that little slit, of the window, God could get in. God could say, remember what you promised? And just like Sister Gyanamata, in that instant of hearing that prayer, she changed. So did he. In that moment, grace descended upon him, and he went out, gave up all the things he was doing that were not helpful, to him or anyone else, and became a servant of God and told his story. It was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing to remember. We don't have to know. If you don't really believe or have not had examples or experiences of God answering you, don't worry, because he is all the time. And at some point, 
you'll make that connection. You'll make it real. I read this story about this uh, doctor whose mother was dying. And she had looked up on the internet and found out, you know, what her disease meant. And the doctors had given all these different pills, red pills, yellow pills, blue pills, green pills. She had all these pills lined up and she had to take them. And then the doctor was reading about when, oh my gosh, if she doesn't take the blue pill right here, it's going to affect this pill and then this pill, and then she's going to die. So she got very involved and made sure her mother took all these pills right when they needed to be taken. And so one morning she was giving, mom, don't forget the blue pill. And her mother sort of looked up and smiled at her and said, you think these pills are keeping me alive, don't you? She said, sort of what she said with compassion and with a little humor. She said, darling, these pills aren't keeping me alive. She said, I'll go when God wants me to go. And that's all. And then a little while later, she read this uh, Tibetan Lama had said, dying isn't about, you don't die from disease. You die because you're complete. Isn't that beautiful? You die because you're complete. This is over. You have, we have a reason to come into this life. We have jobs to do. We have people to inspire, or people to help, or people whatever. And then it's time. It's, it's interesting because some people ask me sometimes, well, if Master, if Yogananda is really such a great guru, why did he die so young? As if that mattered. And he was complete. He came to do what he had to do. And it's that way with every single person. And yes, prayers do help. Prayers do help. They help us that are praying. They help increase the love of the people that are dealing with things. They help, help us to be peaceful through hard times and all that. But it's all in the plan. We have to accept what God gives us in every moment. And prayer is important. Prayer is about connection, and prayer will change your life. But just give it all to him, and he will be there for you. God bless.